Good morning. Thank you for being here with us today. Um, my name is Israel Martinez, and I have the blessed privilege of serving here as the lead pastor of Redeemer Church Irving. And so uh, I want you to know that you are loved dearly and that the enemy probably today, as he does on most Sunday mornings, is trying to distract you, trying to keep your heart from not listening to the word of God, not the words that I have to say, but as one who's going to preach the words of God, that God will use me and there will be authority there from him that will penetrate our hearts. And, and, and I think more than anything, God wants you to know that, that, that he loves you, that our holy God like actually loves you. And so if you're a guest, um, the same thing is extended. We, we want to say, hey, you're dearly welcomed. We'd love to connect after service, get to know you more, get, your, um, get to know your name, exchange some information. We'd hope that you'd fill out one of our connect cards. But we want to show you Christ's love today as a church. We want you to feel that through our interactions and our actions towards you. And so um, as we get into our text, I want us to think, think of a certain time in your life, okay, uh, where you had to go through something difficult. So in your lifetime, have you ever had to go, we're going to use that word go a lot today, anywhere which was difficult? Maybe you had a trip that was physically demanding. Uh, maybe a journey, like a difficult hike. I remember in the military, we take these, these stupid hikes with these stupid heavy bags, and they're just pointless, and just walking around, right? And it's just pointless. Like, what are we doing? Um, and they're doing it to mess with you, Right? Maybe you've done something like that, a hike or some kind of training in sports when you were a kid. Uh, maybe you metaphorically have had to take a journey in life that was difficult, uh, like maybe finishing high school uh, or college, university, or maybe some kind of job or training or certain season of life where you've had to enter something difficult. So I want us to connect this. We're going to talk about a journey today, but life is a journey, Right? Life is a long time for most of us, or a few years. It's all we get, but life is a journey. And if we're honest, the journey is difficult. Life is difficult. It's not easy. It's not simple. It's difficult. And so whether you are hiking or uh, taking uh, some other kind of physical journey, or again, you're metaphorically taking a long mental journey to achieve some kind of goal or task, if we're honest, right, in that, there's, there's always a struggle, there's always a struggle. So when you start on that new journey, though, the struggle doesn't happen at the beginning, right? You're like, uh, there, there's a joke that people like in church like don't like change. There are people, we say people don't like change. It's not true. If I told you right now, hey, there's $2 million waiting for you, okay? You just got to change. You just got to wake up at 6 o'clock every day for a year. You'll change. Most of you will change. And you'll be up at 6 o'clock. So it's not that we don't like change. We don't like the process of change sometimes because waking up at 6 o'clock is hard. But if the goal is a righteous goal or a good goal, you'll do it. So, if, if, again, if we're honest, there's a struggle, right? Because I told you that $2 million is there. You're like, awesome, $2 million. But then seven months in, you're waking up at 6 o'clock. Or maybe that's, I wake up about 5.30. Let's, let's pretend it's 4 o'clock, okay? 4 o'clock, 3.30. like, oh, man, 3.30 every day. I don't know if I want that $2 million. I think I'll bow out, right? A lot of people would bow out. Because when we start the journey, the opposite is true. It, it's exciting. I'm getting married, right? Yay. I'm going on a trip. Yay. If you have kids, you're like, it's awesome. We're going to Disney. And then you get there and they're throwing up. Someone pooped. And I'm like, oh, man, come on. It's, it's hard, right? It's always 
The beginning of the journey is exciting. There's joy. Um, uh, there's this something new or even the pride of, of something new or the street cred to be like, hey, I did this thing or that thing. I ran a marathon, right? You can have those bragging rights about the a journey you accomplished. Many people are like, yeah, I want to do this thing or that thing. Well, a lot of times they do it, so be like, yeah, I, I did that. Look at me. I talk like this now, and I, I do things. I accomplish things. And so we often, again, we want to do things for various reasons, but at the beginning of the journey, it's exciting. We're preparing for a marathon, right? And, and there, there are other things you can do, but in our culture, people, like, the marathon is like a benchmark of, like, achievement. Not for me. I don't care about it. But most people are like, I did a marathon. I did a marathon. Why? That's hard. 26 miles of running? No, thank you. I, I, used, I love running. I love playing sports, but not that way. But running a marathon in our culture is a standard in many ways for physical accomplishment, right? Now, we also see celebration and joy like when your kids graduate kindergarten. It's exciting. Kindergarten, yay. Or elementary school or junior high or high school and then college. There's, again, that excitement when the journey ends. There's excitement when it starts and there's excitement at the end of a journey. There's joy, right? We finished. We did it. But in the middle of the journey, in the middle of life, what often happens? We complain. God, really, again? You did it again? We complain, if we're honest. In the middle of the journey, it's hard. We complain because it's hard. God made it that way. We, we doubt Right in the middle of the journey, like if you're in the middle of the marathon or you're in the middle of high school, how many of us, even the smart ones, are like, man, I want to quit high school today. I just want to go do something else. Or I want to quit college. Or I want to quit this thing. How many guys in the military are just like, it's, it's easy. It's just a mental game. I'm going to quit basic training. Basic training is so weak. You just do what they tell you to do, and you're done. But oftentimes, in the middle of the journey, it seems so hard. We want to quit, and we complain some more. <laughs> we bring extra complaint. Because the middle of the journey, the middle of life is hard. Now, when we take spiritual journeys of various religions or ideologies, for various reasons, people go on these religious journeys, right? Experiences, circumstances, where people come to a point in their life where they embark on a spiritual journey to go somewhere. They're like, I'm tired of who I am. I want to be something else. And if we're honest, no matter if you are the biggest atheist or the most passionate, true-believing Christian, we are all going on a journey to somewhere. Now, you may be chasing glory, success, money, fame, or just like, hey, I did it. Look at me. Or you may be chasing some other goal in life. I don't know. Or, or you may actually be chasing Jesus. Amen. Amen. Like, but the point is we're all trying to go somewhere. Even that apathetic, lazy person that is following their own lazy desire to just sit on the couch and do nothing all day, even that person, they're chasing their own desires. They're going somewhere. So is that ambitious person that is going on their journey to make a name for themselves. But if you really choose to embark on a journey that's worth something, if you really take that opportunity to go on a journey that means something, a real journey, it will be difficult. You will have to face some things about other people, your own circumstances, and yourself. You're going to have to look in the mirror and see that mug that God gave you, okay? 
And you're going to have to deal with it because it will be difficult. And oftentimes, I would almost say every time, it, it is going to be impossible to overcome. You may do one or two things, get a degree, do this thing. But if you are doing those things in your own flesh, even those people that live their whole lives seeking something, trying to build something at the end of their life, they're 60. My dad turned 70 this last year. 70. I mean, man, he's a strong beast. Like he boxes and stuff. I think he's got 25 left in him. But 70, that's, that to me, me and uh, uh, someone were talking about that earlier. It seems kind of like, man, it makes me think, like, man, I turned 41 in a few days. Life is hard. Life is short. And oftentimes, that person is striving and trying to build their kingdom or do their thing, their agenda, the lazy agenda, the ambitious agenda, it doesn't matter. matter. You get to a point where you're living your life, and you're going to get to a point where, like, man, this is impossible. And so most people just forget about God and just push through the next idol and keep going. And they end up living this vain, pointless life, maybe with $30 million in their name, but they're going to die just like the man that has zero, Right? And so I don't know where you are today. I have no clue. But we're all, we all long for direction. And in the journey of life, we will come face to face with the reality of um, the journey of life. We can't escape it. We're in it right now, all of us. And we're going to have to ask the question that Peter asked in our text. To whom shall we go? To whom shall we go? Let's read our text. If you have your Bible, open it. We're people of the word. We want to be in the Bible. Keep your Bible open. Keep looking at it as we walk through it. We're going to walk through it together. But let's just read it real quick and let the text sink in. To ask the Spirit, Spirit, I pray right now that you let this uh, text just illuminate our minds and hearts right now. John 6, 60 through 71. And the text says, When many of his disciples heard it, hmm, Remember that it. We'll talk about that it, okay? When many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. And after this, Many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. And Jesus answered them, did I not choose you, 12 and yet one of you is a devil. He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. So 
in our text, John 60 through 71, we, we see that theme that is throughout the whole book of John, that John is challenging us to what? To believe in Jesus correctly. It's this theme in John 20, we see the main idea of the whole book. And this is the main call for us as Christians, to truly believe in Jesus. Because what happens is we can, we can, we can live in the flesh, and because of the desires of our flesh, not believe. And so t- today, we're going to be asking that question, and I hope it rings in your heart and soul, to whom shall we go? To whom shall we go? And we're going to learn from the text that, said more completely, we know the journey, the journey of life. I'm just going to say journey, though. We know the journey will be difficult. We know the journey left to our own efforts will fail. And the journey will lead you to answer the question, to whom shall I go? So in verses 60 through 62, we're going to see our first point today, that the journey of life, it will be difficult. The journey of life will be difficult. Read with me again in verses 60 through 62, and we'll clarify some things and walk through some things together. Verse 60 says, When many, many of the disciples heard it, these disciples, these learners, this is a really powerful text, and when we see um, in our mission statement, we say we love God, love people, and make disciples, right? Now, we don't make converts. This is a fallacy in the church. You can't convert anybody. God converts the heart. We're going to see that in our text. We just read it. God is the one who saves people. He's the one who changes the heart. He's, Jesus gives access to the Father, and he's the one who saves. But we see this interesting thing happening that these people, remember what Jesus has said, many of disciples heard it. What's the it? The it was, if you remember in John 6, he's been saying that he is God in John 5. Then he clarifies and says, I am the bread of life. No one can come through the Father except through me is what he's saying. I am the bread of life. He's saying, he says, eat my flesh and drink my blood. People are like, what? Guy, they didn't know what vampires were. That's probably, that's where vampires come from. This weird, creepy things and zombies are like, what is he talking about? That would not make sense to anybody. That we'd have to eat of his flesh. Catholics take this and they think when they do communion that they're actually eating the bread of Christ and the blood of Christ. That's not true. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's being metaphorical. He's making a point. He said, there's this desire you should have in your heart to, to taste and see like we just sang, to feed on Jesus we looked at last week. He says, I am the bread of life. And the people hearing that, these disciples, the disciple is a learner. It's, it's a follower. Okay, we're going to talk about that. And they were following Jesus. They were, they were in their mind believing Jesus, doing all the right churchy things, right, going to church. Yeah, singing. They knew all the words to the songs. They were doing it. They were there until things got hard. And if you've ever been in church or in life, especially in the church, things get hard, people bow out. Why? Look at it. It says, I am the bread of life. And they said, the people said, but this is a hard saying. Come on, Jesus. Who can listen to it? Who can listen to the fact that you're the bread of life? There's no way that you, come on, who can actually accept that, man? You're saying crazy stuff. Because Jesus does. For human ears, he says crazy stuff. He says stuff that doesn't make sense to the normal, physical, um, uh, human mind. And we come to God and try to out-question God. God's like, stop. You have no point. There's no way you can understand the mind of God. But as humans, we will come. The journey of life will be difficult. We're going to come to situations in life when we can't get it. 
The journey will be hard to receive. The journey of life, the, the, the mission that God has for you, your, your flesh is going to want to say no. I want a vacation. I want to do this thing. I want to look at this on the internet. I want to be sinful and do this. I want to marry that person instead of this person. The journey of life will be hard. The way of sin is easy. You can do that all day. But if you're going to follow Jesus Christ, it's hard. And we will say like the disciples, who can listen to it? God, but you made me this way. I can't stop this or I can't stop that. It's your fault, God, is what we say. Who can listen to it? Who can receive this hard thing? Verse 61 continues. But Jesus, knowing in himself, we see the sovereignty of God, that Jesus is over everything. He's powerful. He knows everything, every detail. He knows everything. Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples, his own disciples, he calls them his disciples. He knew they were grumbling about this, said to them, do you take offense at this? A lot of times in the church, or like, I mean, you're not supposed to be offensive, okay, just to be a dummy. You don't just be offensive just to be offensive. But if you say Christian things, you will be offensive. Now, you don't have to say it in an offensive way, but... You will offend people, okay? This idea of, of us not coming into conflict. Some cultures are conflict-averse. And, and, and some cultures are way, like Latino people get into conflict way too fast and way too aggressively sometimes. But some cultures are also, like, conflict-averse. They're shy. They're, oh, we're trying to respect. The point is, you will come into conflict. You, there will be an offense. The journey will offend you, right? It's going to offend other people 100%. It's going to offend you. You're going to be like, no, 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 God didn't, God doesn't, no, God doesn't want me to do that. He, he, no, I'm supposed to, there's going to be things in your life that Jesus says that offend you. Jesus says, if you find this offensive, and, and then he continues, look at verse 62, then what, then what if you were to, to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? He said, if, I'm just saying this with my mouth. Now, if you were to see me ascend, when, when he's talking about he's alluding to he's going to die and ascend, he said you would flip out. Jesus says, if you find this offensive, wait until you learn of my resurrection and ascension after my death. You see, Jesus says hard truths to his followers. And there is a cost to following our great king. His grace is free. Salvation is free in Christ. yes. But many of us live in what is called cheap grace. Oh, yeah, Jesus saved me. Great. Our hearts say it like the way my voice is talking. Yeah, I'm saved. I live for Jesus. Amen. And there's no passion. There's no real love for, for the king of kings. Because grace that way, that's an abuse of grace. That's cheap grace. That's you saying, yes, I believe. Now, God saves you. We're going to talk about this. He's the one who chooses you. So many people in church are like these people that thought they were believers. They were disciples. Jesus, it even says his disciples, because Jesus knows who's really saved, but we don't know in a church and a group of people. You see, Jesus says hard truths to his followers, and there is a cost to following our great and wonderful king of kings. His grace is free. Salvation is free. But there is, if you are saved, okay, there's going to be a cost in your life to now follow him in this journey of life. It will be difficult. If we are saved, following him will be difficult. 
doesn't mean we can't have joy, right? Those, are, those can go together. It seems like an oxymoron, but it's not. There's so many things about God that don't make sense. How is it going to be? How, are, how have Christians been beheaded? How have Christians lost everything and still have joy like Paul? And he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Only a man or a woman of God can cry out like that. And that's what God is calling you to do. Not just Paul, not just pastors or leaders. You, normal Christians, operate this way. And so look, if he has truly called us, and we are true believers, okay? And we are truly his children, his sons and daughters. We're the sons and daughters of a holy God. If this is true, we must know and we must tell others, as our second point teaches us today, that the journey of life left to our own efforts will fail. This is what we forget as parents, as um, young adults, old adults, right? We forget that it's not about the things we do. Now, there are things that we need to do. I'm, I'm a hard worker. I'm a driver. I like working. I like getting in there. I like, I like practice. People hate, I love practice. Get in there. I, I like practice better than the game. I like to work, okay? Work is good. Work before the fall was a good thing. And then when man sinned, there were thorns and work got a little harder. But work is this thing that should be joyful. God calls us to this. But when we try to live life in this journey, when we go on the marathon with our own efforts, we don't know where we're going. We haven't prepared. That metaphor dies, but if we don't know Jesus, it's pointless. Your life is pointless. Welcome. Happy Sunday morning. <laughs> Your life is pointless if you don't know Jesus, guys. And if you get that in your heads, your life will be different. But when you think that your life is worth so much and your journey is worth so much and it's all about you and your story, you're going to live a boring, worldly, pointless life. Why does God say, love me? If you really love me, you're going to love who? People. When we put others before ourselves, it changes. That's what it means to live your life if you are a parent, right? Man. I love my kiddos, but you go, you go sit on the couch or sit in the bed, oh, I'm going to take a nap. Someone, oh, this one, they're, they're doing this, they're doing this. And that's hard. It's hard to get up. Okay, I got to go give them some food. Okay, I got to get this. Oh, we got a schedule. But once you start doing that, like, I love it. My kids are gone, and me and Candace are like, oh, man, why, why are we alive? <laughs> What's the point? It's, you kind of forget, like, what to do as a single person. You're like, what do we do? We got all this time. We can do whatever we want. But there's some joy about being a father. There's a joy about teaching his little babies, hey, look at me in the eye, disciplining them, saying, don't, you're not going to do that again. I love you. There's a joy in the journey. God wants you to have that joy. Look at verse 63 with me. Again, our point two teaches the journey of life left to our own efforts will fail. Look at 63. Jesus says, it is the spirit, the Holy Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. And so I'll stop there for a second. Guys, it is the Holy Spirit who gives you life. Not you reading the Bible, not you doing the good Christian things, not you getting up and coming to church. It is the Holy Spirit of God, the same Spirit that, it was, that was there from the beginning of time, that, that lived in Jesus, that is the triune God, can, lives in you. 
It's a supernatural life. We live a supernatural life, and there's a supernatural fight. The flesh, our bodies are no help at all. What is he saying? We need our bodies. We need to eat. We need to take care of our temple. He's not saying that the physical is not. Some people have taken this and made their own crazy religions where they do all this gross sin because they're like the physical and then it's all about head knowledge. That's not what he's saying. And that's where we can get as Christians we're like, well, I'm saved and so I love God in my heart and so my actions, my, what my flesh does doesn't matter. That's a lie straight from hell, okay? That's not what Jesus is saying. But he's saying your life is not just physical. It is a supernatural battle. Look at what, listen to, listen to the words of Paul in Ephesians 6, 10 through 12. And Paul was beat up a lot, like physically beat up. He was shipwrecked. He had a lot of physical pain. He had a thorn in his side. Paul says this, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Satan has schemes, meaning plans to take you out, to make you sin, to make you think certain ways. He has schemes. Do you have schemes against him? Think about it. If you don't have a game plan, I don't know if anybody watched the Oregon Buffaloes game. Anybody knows what that is? <laughs> Dion thought he had a plan, but Oregon really had a plan. Oregon blew them out. You can think you have a plan all day. The devil has a plan to hunt, seek, kill, and destroy you and your family and your marriage and your kids and your life. Now, God, we don't have to live in fear. God is over us. God is protecting us. When you live as a child of God, you don't have fear. Like, I don't care. I'm not worried about him. You care, but you, you don't say it cocky. You say it confidently in God. Okay? But listen to this. Paul says, for we do not wrestle. Wrestle. It's like this fight. Think of MMA. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. It's what Jesus is saying, but against rulers, against the authorities, all these different things. I'm not sure I understand what they all are. Against the cosmic powers over this present darkness. There's a darkness. You see it in our culture. You've seen it throughout history. Guys, our struggle is not against that. I mean, it is against that. It's not against all these other things that we make it. He says it's against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Demonic, de de uh, Satan. These are real things, real forces that are messing with you. And in America, we're taught that's not real. That's fake. If you go to other countries, most of the world is a supernatural believing people. And they don't believe in God. They, they know there's demons. They know there's forces. They know that. Americans, even in the church, are like, there's no, there's no forces. And they're just reading your Bible and going to church and talking like this and loving Jesus and I'm good. They don't realize there's a spiritual battle, guys. We need, again, to not depend on the flesh. Jesus is saying we need to depend on the spirit. Look at verse 64. I mean, the rest of 63, I'm sorry. I'll read the whole thing again. He says, it, it is the spirit who gives you life, the supernatural life, guys, the supernatural fight. The flesh is no help at all. The words that Jesus says, I have spoken to you are spirit and life. It's not just Christian easy words. Like Jesus gives you life. He supernaturally changes your brain, transforms your mind. You want to not be lazy? Pray and fall on your face to God. He will transform your mind. You want to learn how to, how to uh, do something better, a skill? God will supernaturally, I believe, change, can change your mind and your abilities and your skills. He can teach you how to make money. He can teach you how to work hard. All those things we want. And if you really just submit to the Lord first, he can open up your mind. 
But we're like, we want those things more than we want God. Jesus says, but there are some of you, there are some of you in these disciples who do not believe. That's the point. He said, you don't want me. Remember last week, he said, you want the stuff. You want me as the genie. You want the bread maker, but you don't want the one who actually is the bread. It says, for Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe. Now, that's interesting. Jesus knows this. And he knew who it was that was going to betray him. We, we learn again that that's Judas. And he said, this is why I told you that no one, this is maybe heavy for some of you. It's a hard thing. You're like, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to listen to that. I didn't say it. Jesus said it. You don't choose your own salvation. God chooses you. You can't save your mom or save your dad or say the right words. God can use you to preach the gospel. He changes the heart. Look at the scripture with me. Verse 65. And he said, Jesus, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted or given him to that person by the Father. God saves you. God is sovereign. He chooses you from the foundations of everything. From the beginning of time, he knew those who were going to be saved, and he knew those who were not going to be saved. This messes with people. This is a hard thing. This makes people lose their faith or turn away because they're like, no, that means that God makes me a robot. He doesn't make you a robot. He's just smarter than you. He knows you. He knows every detail of your story, every decision you're going to make. It doesn't make sense to me either. That he gives us freedom and free will, but he also knows everything and he shows us. Just like, think about this. This may help you. Did you get to choose your skin color, your last name by birth, on your birth certificate? This pushes against all the agenda of today. I want to be this. I want to be that. No. God defines who you are. You didn't choose your height. You didn't choose your eye color. You didn't choose anything. You didn't choose a lot of things. So who, think, who, may, who, who, who do you think you are that you can choose your own faith? God's the one who saves you. Now, do we respond? Yes. That's what's happening when you're saved. You're like, God actually saves you, and then you respond in salvation. That's called regeneration. Remember John 3? To be born again, that's where we get the, the theological idea of being regenerate, regenerate in Christ. So if that messes with you, I don't mean, say, say it to be mean. We can talk about it later, but good. It's a hard thing, and many people turn away because of this. They're like, nah. Uh, I, I'm free. I choose my. I choose Jesus. I, that's true, but God chose us first. That's what the but we love Him because He loved us first. Hmm. It's all over the Bible. It's definitely all over John. Many will believe a false gospel, guys. We need to depend on the flesh. We need to depend on the Spirit because some who claim to follow Jesus as believers do not truly believe. They may be your parents. They may be in your family. They may be someone you know really well. It may be your spouse. But some who claim to follow Jesus as believers do not truly believe. That's hard. It's a hard thing. And people are like, I don't want it. Like a little kid, I don't want it, I don't want it. So my kids say, I don't want it, I don't want it. Many will believe a false gospel. Many will spend their whole lives chasing and going to everything else in life but Jesus. Religion can be comforting, right? It makes you look good. It makes you look moral. Gives you sometimes business, business advantages. It's less and less in our culture now, but in certain contexts, man, you still make a deal. I'm a Christian. You're a Christian. Good, brother. All right. That's not what it means to be saved, guys. You're just using Jesus. You're using people. People use the people of God all the time. Jesus was in the beginning 
as was the Holy Spirit, as was the triune God. He made us all in the image of God. And he knew from the foundation of the earth who he was going to grant salvation to. He knew the story. He's writing the story, this perfect story where he would allow, God would allow, and Jesus was there at the beginning, Adam and Eve to fall. And they would know the knowledge of good and evil. And God says they will be like us. What does that mean? And now Adam and Eve, like you and me, we know evil. We know the darkest things. See, God knows the darkest of evil, but he doesn't execute. He doesn't do it. We do. That's the difference. There is brokenness and and sin and darkness in us that would just put us to shame. The things that our mind thinks, the, the temptations that come, although temptation is not sin, the temptation that we then fall into and then act on, man, it's scary stuff, right? We're a human race that murders people, enslaves people, hates people, abuses people. That is our legacy. That's your legacy without Christ. That's my legacy without Christ. But this Christ came, and he lived a perfect life. Just like those who have little babies, he was a perfect baby. I don't even know what that means. Did he cry? Probably. But did he cry sinfully? No. He never slapped that bottle away. He never did those mean little baby things when you start seeing that sin that's in them. He was a perfect 5-year-old. He was a perfect 15-year-old. He, didn't, he had temptation, but he didn't, he didn't uh, sin sexually. He didn't sin in any other way. He was perfect. And then he was a man. And then this man, because God is holy, God put the, his wrath on this perfect man who was God. So that, that we, that it says that he would become, he who knew no sin became sin so that we, his children, could become the righteousness of God. And he poured out that wrath or his anger because God has perfect righteous anger and justice just like you do, right? Someone hits your car, you're like, hey, why'd you hit my car? That's what I would do, you know. Hey, I'm a justice person. Like, don't get over on me. I'm military. Yes, sir. Like, don't. You got to do things right. You know, like, we have justice, okay? We all have different variations of that. God has justice. And God said, because he's holy, we're going to talk about our holiness attached to his. He put that on Christ, and Christ died on the cross so you and I could truly believe and not be like these fake believers, that we could have this true belief, real life, that our journeys would make sense and they would be purposeful. And he says, guys, I'm coming again. That creation from the beginning was pointing to the new creation that we'll have in Christ. There'll be a new heavens and a new earth. We'll have bodies. We will reign with him. He will judge the world. All the, all the things are like, come on, God. Like, why didn't you take care of this? Oh, oh, he will. He will. Revelation, I mean, Romans 12 says, vengeance is of the Lord. God is slow and patient, but he will bring justice. Just wait. That's what it means to to understand this God with us. And when God has granted you salvation, what happens? You can now repent and believe. Because before that, all you were was a slave to sin. You had chains on you, and you saw the sin, and you, you you could try to step away, but those chains will pull you back in, and you're in the mud, and you're playing in it, you're eating it, you're licking all the nasty sin. That's what we do. But with Christ, he breaks the chains. And now you can see the mud. You're tempted to go to the mud, but you don't have to. You don't have chains. That's what the freedom of Christ is. Now you can repent and believe. You can look at and turn away from that pile of mud and say, no, I'm turning away from Satan's kingdom and I'm turning to the kingdom of God. I see Jesus. I believe. I want to taste and see him, not taste mud and dirt and nasty stuff. I want to taste Jesus and see Jesus and live in him. That's the call of the believer every day. He invites you to that every day. 
He's God with us. That's what abiding means. That's what it means to dwell with God, to live with God, to have this journey of life. And so, guys, God has invited us to go with him in this journey called life. And so our journey in life should bring us to a point personally and in our interactions with others to consider our third point today, that the journey of life will lead you to answer the question. You have to come face to face with, to whom shall I go? To whom shall we go? Look at this last part of the text. Read with me. And then after this, after Jesus says this hard thing, right? They're grumbling, complaining. This makes me sad, but it's part of life. People leave the faith. People leave Jesus. Your family will do it. Your kids may do it. Friends will do it. It's just part of life. After this, many of his disciples, he didn't say fake disciples, although that's kind of what they are. They're not real believers. They're not real disciples. Many of his disciples, I've had this happen. I've been four, I'm 41 now. It's happened to me many times because I've mixed it up with people. I've, I've lived life with people, and they have fallen away. And many people still believe, but many people have done this to me. And it hurts. It stinks. It's hard. They turned back and no longer walked with Jesus. They, they did that physically, but their hearts did the same thing. And we can do the same thing. To truly believe in Jesus is to keep doing it. It's this theological concept of the perseverance of the saints. That if you are a true believer, believer you will have doubt. John the Baptist doubted. He was, Jesus said, the greatest man. You will doubt. You'll struggle. You'll repent and believe. You'll keep believing. And then at the end of your life... You will say, it wasn't me, it was him who sustained me. I believe. That's a, a true Christian will persevere to the end. And so Jesus said to the 12, he now challenges his 12 personal disciples that he was more intimate with. Do you guys want to go away as well? Jesus says hard things. Jesus always challenges his children, his disciples, with hard choices. Again, not cheap grace. Simon Peter, we know Simon, he's explosive, quick to say something. He, he answers right here. He says, he says, Simon answered him, he, our question, Lord, to whom shall we go? Simon gets it in this moment. He says, you have the words of eternal life. Remember this idea that Jesus is the word. He's the one. We need Jesus, the living word. We need the written word, the scriptures. If you're not in the scriptures and studying the scriptures, something's wrong. And you need to know the proclaimed word, the gospel. Jesus, he says, you have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. We're going to sing about the one and only God that, that John talks about in the beginning of his gospel. And Jesus answered them, did I not choose you? The 12, again, he said, you missed it the first time. Did I not choose you? We see the sovereignty of God, that he's over everything. He knows everything. And yet one of you, he says, is a devil, is a satan, a deceiver. Many people in the church are satans, okay? They're, they're, they're deceivers. They're adversaries. That's kind of the word in, in the original language. They're going to go against the things of God. And he spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the 12, was going to betray him. I always think, man, this is crazy. Jesus chose Judas. Jesus chose someone who was going to be fake and leave him. He, he knew what these people were going to do. That's what our text says. So don't let that discourage you. A lot of people go to church, and, and then like 10 years down the road, they stop going to church because someone did something in church. Duh, they're going to. People are going to people. People will people, and they will do things that 
that, that make you mad, make you want to say some different words at church, right? People in your life will do that. Not just at work. They're going to do that at church because uh, we're humans, okay? So hurt sheep bite. If you're a true believer and you're hurt, you will bite other people. That happens in church, okay? And then there are wolves or fake believers in church. It's just part of it. They still, a lot of times these people have some kind of weird religion thing going on, and they show up at church, and they don't even know why they're there, but they're looking to do something. And I pray that no one in here is that. And, and we pray, I pray, Lord, keep those people away. But people in your life, other Christians, you will see this kind of thing. Okay? G, the point is that Jesus uses evil men and things for good. Like, what? A few verses to, that really help in this. If you guys know the story of Joseph, right, his brothers sold him into Egypt, uh, and they sold him as a slave. He had, his dad gave him the jacket. Um, at the end of the story in Genesis, there's a whole story in Genesis, uh, Joseph says, it's the story of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? And Jacob had the 12 sons, and one of them was Joseph, who became the second in command in Egypt. And then jo his brothers then come to the end of, they're in this famine, and Joseph has now grown up, and he's in command. He's the leader, and his brothers don't know. It would be like me being the ruler and say, oh, my brothers are here. They're going to ask me for money. They'll ask me for food. And then this is what Joseph, he eventually uh, tells him who he is, but he says, as for you, brothers, you meant evil against me, and people will mean evil against you. But God meant it for good. It doesn't make sense that God would allow evil to happen. He would allow these things to happen to little children. He would allow things to happen in your life that stink and are hard. Why? Because he means it for our good. To bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. God preserved the nation of Israel, and he preserves his children today. Look at, listen to Romans 8.28. This is maybe a famous verse for some of you, or some of you may be like, I don't really understand it. But it says, and we know that for those who love God, okay, not everybody, not the fake believers, but for those who love God, all things, all things, all the junk in your life, all the hard things that you've been through, all the tears, they're not wasted if you know Christ. Why? He says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. These things work together for good. That's the sovereignty of God. All the pain, all the tension with your child or your spouse or your this, your that. Relationships that are broken, divorce, children that leave that no longer talk to you. Now, there's sin involved in all that too, okay? But if you love God, He's working it out for good. Remember, our journey in life should bring us to a point personally and in our interactions with others to consider the third point today, that the journey of life will lead you to, be, to wrestle with the question, to whom shall I go? To whom shall we go? Many will not believe. Few will truly believe, but God is sovereign and he knows. He knows his children. And so we'll conclude here. And so I want us to really consider that question today. To whom will you go? To whom are you going tomorrow, right now? Will you follow Jesus or follow the world? Another word for going, to follow. Will the journey of life be lived in vain or will you live in the ultimate purpose God has called you to? This is why this is our mission statement. Would you live out the ultimate mission that God has called you to, to love God, to love people, and to make disciples, even if they burn you, of all nations for God's glory? Because they will burn you. 
You see, today we have worshiped and learned that we know the journey of life will be difficult. The journey of life left to our own efforts will fail. So stop. Stop doing it on your own effort. It's going to be hard. It's hard. But the journey will lead us to answer the question and comfort in knowing to whom shall we go? Jesus. Daily. Jesus challenges his disciples, and we will sing this song in a second, but I want us to read this, and we'll end with this idea. He gives a brief description in Matthew 6, 24 through 27, of what disciples who really get it live like. Not cheap grace disciples, not the ones that leave, but the ones that keep following him. This is what they, these are the ones who answer the question, to whom shall I go? They follow Jesus. Jesus says this, if anyone would come after me, Matthew 16, 24 through 27, Matthew 16, 24 through 27. If anyone would come after me, the offer is there for everybody. Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. That's the instrument of torture, by the way. <laughs> he's saying, take up your electric chair. Take up your lethal. And that's what he's saying. It's not going to be, it's going to be hard, remember? But whoever loses his life, whoever stops trying to do it his way, whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. We will find life if you lose your life. For what will it profit a man? I'm sorry, then, but, but whoever loses, sorry, I said it wrong. For whoever would save his life, the first part, will lose it. If you're trying to save your life and just do things in a safe way and, and take care of your own life, you're going to lose life. There's no joy. Life is hard enough. Jesus says, but whoever loses his life for my sake actually finds life. That's what he's calling every one of us to. For what will it profit a man? If he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul, you can be the richest, the best, the best version of you, whatever you think that is. Who cares? What does it profit you if you lose your soul? That's what many people do. For the Son of Man, this is an encouraging part, we're going to sing this too, is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. It is one of my favorite gospel things to share with people. If I go to a restaurant and I leave a little tip, I put this... Matthew 16, 24 through 27. This is how you know. This is one of the best evangelistic things you can give someone. Okay? Now, doing the following God is not what saves you, but if God really saves you, you will follow him. Does that make sense? So will you go to Jesus who has the words of eternal life? Jesus is the answer. There is no person, no dream, no other life or journey that will satisfy you. And so just come face to face with our question today that Peter asked, to whom shall I go? You see, today we learned in our first point that the journey of life will be difficult. The journey will be hard to receive. The journey will offend you. In our second point, we learned that the journey of life left to our own efforts will fail. We need to not depend on the flesh. We need to depend on the spirit. We lastly learned in our third point that the journey of life will lead you to answer this question, to whom shall I go? And many will not believe. Don't be one of them. Few will truly believe, the Bible says. But God is sovereign and knows his true children. If you're his, he knows you. Again, we learned that we know the journey will be difficult. The journey left to our own efforts will fail. The journey will lead you to answer the question, to whom shall I go? So let's go to the king of kings who is our only hope every moment of every day. In the difficult, we abide in him and draw near to him. We can actually do that. We can be proactive in our abiding. And he abides or lives in us and draws near to us. And guys, when we fail, because we will fail, you will fail, I will fail. When we fail, and when we try to do things to our own effort, because we will, 
Let's be quick to follow Jesus. That's what repentance is. Let's be quick to go back to Jesus in true repentance of our sin. And let's turn from our sin and repent. And let's turn to Christ, the one who are, we are to believe. And let's allow the Holy Spirit. Remember, this, it's a spiritual thing to guide us and lead us in this supernatural and physical journey of life. Where we are following and going to Jesus, our great king, guys, guys with all our hearts and all, and all we do. Let's live this journey of life following or going to Jesus every moment of every day. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we love you. Lord, we are not perfect, but Lord, we don't have to make excuses. You given us the ability to repent and believe that when we mess up, when we know life is hard and when we try to do things in our own effort, us as believers, we have you. We have you to turn to. And so, Lord, give us the ability to do that. Give us the ability to just be humble in you and, Lord, to turn to you when the rest of the world is calling us and haunting us with darkness and evil, and even just slight deception, that one thing that looks good that we know is not. Lord, please open our hearts and minds to know what it means to truly believe in you today more and more. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.